Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Shadow Self, the podcast. I'm your host, Tim Bearden, and we're going to be doing something a little different today. We're going to be talking about the Enneagram still, but we're going to do it in a much larger spiritual context, much like the spiritual Enneagram podcast we talked about earlier. So if that's not your cup of tea, or if you're not interested in hearing about that, that's perfectly okay. We'll have a new episode next week that you'll absolutely love, but I do encourage you to listen to this episode because I think that even if you're not spiritual in any way, shape, or form, the lessons inside can benefit us all. Just letting you know that we get way too focused on the details, at least the wrong details. And that's one of the biggest problems of our society, truly. If you think I'm oversimplifying it, you're not alone. And you too could benefit from this podcast. I get accused of oversimplifying things a lot. You know, it's sort of a gift, an annoying one if you ask any of my friends, but it's something I am able to do. I take the most complicated of concepts and I can boil them down to something that's very simple to understand. Oftentimes this helps people in tricky concepts, but in my experiences, upsets most of them when they just want to win an argument. Now, for example, and this is going to be an extreme example, so hang with me. We're going to talk about different types of cancer here. So, for example, someone brings up lung cancer. They talk about how it's terrible cancer. And it is. They're absolutely right. And they go on talking about their experiences. Someone chimes in of the opinion, hey, you know what? I had skin cancer. That was bad too. And they chime in with their experiences. So what oftentimes happens is the person with lung cancer gets upset at the person with skin cancer because they chimed in and stole their thunder, right? They stole took away from their suffering and made it their own. But I have to ask, and sometimes I tell people, that these people with, um, so this person for with lungs, lung cancer, for example, you ask, isn't all cancer bad? Isn't he suffering the same way you are? He may not suffer the exact same way, but he suffers from a disease that is similar to yours. But what happens is our pride gets in the way. person with lung cancer starts listing how his cancer is so terrible and how everyone should listen to him and how the skin cancer isn't nearly as bad and he's not suffering as much. It's our pride that gets in the way. It really is. And that causes us to get caught up in this competition of details because he's mad about his life situation. And who wouldn't be, right? I'd be upset. He has every right to be upset. But his anger is now misdirected to a person who's suffering as well, and that's what's not okay. So as you can see, we weave this complicated tapestry, and then we try to unravel it one string at a time. What's better is to take a look at the whole tapestry and say, what can we do better here? How can we make this disease, cancer for example, as a whole less debilitating for its sufferers? And now this is where I started to get into trouble telling everyone that I, being told by everyone that I oversimplify things, right? Because they talk about this cancer affects this system differently and affects it this way and this way and this way. And that's why this person feels worse than that person, so forth and so on, ad nauseum. And we're so focused on these little details that it drags us down into this negative mindset. And I've said before, the Enneagram does not exist if there's no intelligent design, right? And in my case, that's Christianity. So buckle up. 
as we're all aware, my man Jesus, whether you believe he did the miraculous things he did or not, he was always keen to question hypocrisy rather than point it out. Sometimes he pointed it out, but most times he tried to question it to help the person learn themselves. He made think people think about the way they, well, think, right? And if you've met some of the stubborn people I have, myself included, that's a miracle in and of itself sometimes. We get caught up in all these small little details that we often miss the larger message. Here's an example. I was talking to a friend of mine uh, the other day, and they were going on about someone being a jerk on Facebook. And that person, well, they were kind of being a jerk. But my friend was being a jerk too. Because they were doing the exact same thing, but felt justified because it was from their end, right? So I told them, before you remove the plank from your brother's eye, remove the speck of dust from yours. Now, to be fair, that's a misquote, right? It's supposed to be before you remove the speck of dust in your brother's eye, remove the plank from your own, etc., etc., etc. But the concept is the same. Worry about your problems and your issues before worrying about those of other people. And just like the Pharisees, continuing with the, the Christianity correlation, now stay with me, instead of getting the message, they chose to point out the inaccuracies or differences in the way Jesus did things, such as pointing out that he was working on the Sabbath, things of that nature, right? And when people get in these highly combative, critical, and self-loathing like mindsets, and in the case of the Pharisees, it was driven by fear and jealousy, which we can all have it be driven by. And we can also have it be driven by resentment and trauma and anger at things that are, are we feel are wronged or have wronged us. But they have no intent on listening to anything someone else says to them. They want to be heard and their point of view to be the right one because, again, they feel justified. Everyone wants to be heard too. And we all should be heard, right? That's what fosters understanding. Now, to be clear, what I'm not saying is social issues such as Black Lives Matter aren't important or even necessary causes. What I am saying is we're probably going about it all wrong. Anger only begets anger. And it's okay to be angry. It's okay to be frustrated. There's lots to be angry and frustrated about in those situations. And I'm one to say from time to time too that it's just easier to watch the world burn, right? And I'm, I know I'm not alone. At least one of you listening right now sat during the two Avengers movie, the last two Avengers movies, and thought, well, you know, Thanos kind of has a point. A deranged way of resolving the problem, sure, but a point nonetheless. So I'm no more or less guilty of this than you are, right? But none of us, not a single one of us, should feel justified in our anger. We all make mistakes do morally questionable, sometimes illegal things, judge, insult, criticize, and the list goes on. We all do it. Ours are just different from the others, and it's our pride that wants to make the distinction which is better or worse, us or them. What they did was bad, but when we reciprocated what they just did, like Hammurabi's law, eye for an eye, we feel justified because they wronged us. And to you, sure, that may be a justification, but not to them. So they retaliate, and the cycle continues. 
So it's in these moments that we need to learn to humble ourselves and stare in the mirror. It's natural to be angry, and it's human nature to feel the need to even, to get even, or to seek retribution or justice or whatever. But that's not our place in the world, right? It's our place to foster understanding for one another, build each other up, rather than tear one another down. And that's not to say that we shouldn't have a justice system, or police, or laws. No. Laws keep society functioning, and without them, I believe there would be anarchy. There's another discussion I got into recently with someone, and they believe that if you see the best in people, that if we were to let loose the laws of society, we would eventually work ourselves into this utopia, right? Now, I believe the opposite. I believe that I'm a cynic, right? I think basic human nature, whether we want it to be better or not, will result in anarchy. And human nature does win out here, as we found out in our argument. But it's not an either-or situation. It's a both-and. And that's something that we forget about in the society, that we see the world in black and white and that there's no gray. There's a gray here. So hear me out, right? It'd be a pretty gritty scene for a while. But that's not to say it wouldn't eventually yield the positive results, right? Change is messy. I've said it before. We have to walk through that mess, though, to get to the other side of it and become better, different, learn more, change, true change. There's no going around it. You can try, but you'll find the mess just continues to grow until you address it. And it grows around you to the point where you have nowhere to go but through the mess, and now it's so overwhelming that you don't know what to do. And sometimes that means forgiving and showing understanding to someone that you would really rather not do it to. Something I'll admit to you right here and now, I'm not great at either. Because in that moment, there is something just so satisfying seeing someone who wronged you get what they think they deserve, right? For example, I remember when my ex-wife completely forgot about her son's doctor appointment one day. And I was pretty upset about it. Now, she used to go on how great of a driver she was and how she never got any tickets. Well, that day, I came to find out that she got a speeding ticket. I never laughed so hard in my life. Like, I thought when my son had told me that, I was going to crash the car. I was laughing so hard. And I'm not proud of it now, though. But I'm saying this to show you that I have room to grow myself. I make these mistakes, too. We all do. So this isn't me saying, listen to me because I have all the answers. I don't. And it would be arrogant of me to think that I did. Now, in fact, I told my friend about this podcast and showed them the script um, where I talked about them the por portion that they were in. And after they read it, oof, they continued to pick apart with frustration and condescension. And they called me an apologist and someone who simply says all lives matter, which is why I made specific mention of that issue earlier, because now I can see how that was interpreted. But it's anger and resentment at the situation that, and a lot of other pent up emotions coming to the surface that are triggering that person, right? So, Instead of being mad at them, I need to recognize that they're frustrated. They can't hear clearly right now because they're too caught up in their own justification. So instead of re-engaging, because we've all been there and it only causes more problems, I just simply asked if it was making them feel better.
as you can imagine, this came across as condescending and disingenuous because it was over text. So I explained further because, yeah, it could be construed that way. And that's the point I'm making here. We need to assume the best of a person, that they're not trying to be condescending, that they're not trying to be rude, that they're not trying to be mean or otherwise insulting or belittling. Maybe they just didn't learn any better, right? It's the same concept with kids. We teach kids these things, but we expect adults to know them. So our expectations cause our own discomfort. So I just simply assured her I was genuine because nothing I, I knew, nothing I was saying in that moment was making an impact. And when emotions are that high, the higher cognitive functions of the brain are not working in sync with the emotional and instinctual functions. So that's what few people take a beat to acknowledge in these moments. And that's why anger only begets anger, because we all want to feel heard. And when we aren't, we get mad and frustrated. And what do we do? We get louder or more belligerent with our points. We stop listening. And to listen is to learn. To learn is to change. And change is messy, hard. And we humans tend to resist it at all costs. Sometimes it feels impossible. That's why we need tools like the Enneagram. It makes what seems impossible feel within reach. It doesn't do that alone. It needs help. And that's where our, our higher power and intelligent designer, whom I refer to as God, comes into play. Now think of the Enneagram as the visual map of a GPS and God as the voice. Sure, you can get to where you're going without the voice on the GPS, but it will cause you to take your eyes off the road to look at the map from time to time. And the map's not always right. You could get lost along the way, take a wrong turn or two, get frustrated while it reroutes every 10 seconds, and then scream at it because you got lost when you were the one who was only half paying attention in the first place. The GPS voice allows you to keep your eyes on what's in front of you while it worries about those small little details. It will get you where you are going. You focus on what you can immediately see and control and let me worry about the rest, it says. What we have trouble doing, though, is relinquishing control. We all do. I have trouble relinquishing control from time to time. We don't want to relinquish it to something or someone other than ourselves. I've mentioned this in the podcast, The Spiritual Enneagram, and if you missed that, you can go back and listen to it or in any of our other podcasts on our website, www.yourshadowmind.com. But essentially, I discovered that doing things in my own will and thinking I knew what was right often only led to chaos, disappointment, broken relationships, and plenty of other unintended consequences. Now, what does this mean for the Enneagram piece? And I'm so glad I asked because it makes you forget what you think you know about you and everyone else around you and introduces you to harsh truths about yourselves and others. It's a brutally honest tool if you are brutally honest with yourself. And most of us aren't by nature. We have to learn how to be. Now, in my opinion, by believing in God, we are forced to think about how utterly insignificant we are in the grand scheme of things, and how truly lucky we are to exist in a world of billions of people on a planet that is, as far as we can tell, one of a kind in a vast universe of planets we haven't even begun to discover yet. We understand that these issues, while important to us, are just distractions from being awestruck at being human. 
We switch our viewpoints from the positive and the awestruck to the more negative and prideful nature. I'm against you. You're against me. Well, you're doing this wrong. I'm doing this right because I'm doing it better than you. And we're screaming at the top of our lungs about these social causes. And while it feels good to be screaming and to feel heard, right now we're just seeking attention. We're not seeking change. Change comes from within. And these causes, they need these voices to get our attention. They do. Attention seeking is not bad. Look at Colin Kaepernick. Love him or hate him, he got us talking about police brutality. So there comes a time when these are necessary, but there's also the instance of oversaturation. Because when it gets to that point, it's all for show. Complaining and yelling about the causes do nothing to actually improve the situation. It's just noise in a world that's yelling over each other just to be heard. You feel like you're doing something, therefore it leads you to feel like you're contributing to change when all you're really doing is contributing to the divisiveness. We are just piling on to the problem. None of us are innocent in any of these causes. Not a single one of us. And that's going to stick in people's crawl, but it's true. And the good news, though, is we have the ability to grow and to change and to repent. Now, when you think of repent or when you hear it, you just are like, oh, man, he's asking me to be forgiven by God, da, 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 da. No, absolutely not. That is not what repentance is. It is simply changing your way of thinking. To repent is to accept that maybe you had it wrong after all and are willing to change how you see a person or situation. You're just changing your thinking. That's all repentance is. And we can only do that by looking inward. And it helps to vent upward. Now, this is not a popular opinion. In fact, it's probably a pretty polarizing one. And I'm sure there are people out there who, if they haven't already turned it off, are screaming at their podcast streaming service right now, ready to let me have it because... So you're saying this is all my fault? No, 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 no. Well, I mean, maybe it is. I don't know your specific situation. But in general, I'm not saying what happened to you is your fault, nor am I saying you have no reason to be angry. What I am saying is we need to understand what inside of us is making us angry and fix that, rather than looking outward and saying the world needs to change and that will fix me. My problems are all external. They're not. External problems trigger internal issues that we need to clear up. And while it may feel true that the external world is causing your problems, let me ask you this. When you were growing up, did you ever lobby for a later bedtime or a later curfew thinking you would be happier if you just got to stay up a little later or just have a little more freedom? Did it end there? Did you find yourself wanting more? Now that you have that freedom, are you happier? I bet if you're like the rest of us, you're probably not happier with the freedom that came along with growing up. It came with a baggage of responsibility and stress and anxiety, and now all you do is long to go back to the days where you had none of that responsibility. The grass is always greener, but you weren't satisfied there either. It's not the situations that need fixing. It's us and our expectations, not only of others, but of the world. We want people to live up to the standards we don't even live up to ourselves. And while having expectations isn't necessarily wrong, having too high of expectations, not just of ourselves, but of those around us, will cause us to experience chronic letdown. 
So how do we fix that? We're setting our expectations not lower, but to a more realistic level. We expect people to be people and to behave like humans behave, and they'll behave differently every day. And we are all on different places on our journey. Some of us aren't as far along as others and don't know as more. And some may be light years ahead and need to teach those who don't know more. It's fine. It doesn't take away from your situation. You are right where you are meant to be and you can only improve by being humble and teachable. I tell clients, you don't have to like where you are, but accepting it and offering yourself grace will allow you to do the same for others. You see, we can only give to others what has been given to us. And for those of us who are Christians, that would be forgiveness through the blood of Jesus. Here's another hard pill to swallow. Even your perpetrators get into heaven should they truly ask for forgiveness or accept Jesus. He says it straight there in the Bible, right? Deathbed confessions are real and valid in Christianity. It happened right there on the cross. He promised the person that was with Barbarus he was going to paradise with him. This guy was crude. He was cruel. He was a thief. He was a murderer. He did all sorts of nasty things. You know what Jesus said? Come to paradise. You'll love it. Sit with me. I'll show you around. That's what he did. And if that doesn't sound like your thing to receive grace and understanding for having a very selfish and prideful heart, then Christianity is probably not for you, right? And neither is the Enneagram, quite frankly. Yeah, it's a fun topic of conversation for dating app icebreakers and water cooler conversations, sure. Anyone who enjoys personality tests, this is one you will be drawn to. But that doesn't mean you know how to apply it or use it in any useful way. It doesn't mean you appreciate it. It just means you read the descriptions and either accepted them as, oh, wow, that's me, or rejected them as, well, this seems way off, what a bunch of malarkey. Or you picked out the pieces of the one you tested as you liked and willfully ignored the traits that you didn't to make you look, that didn't make you look good or feel so good about yourself. We create our own realities. We create these boxes that we put people in, including ourselves. And everyone's like, well, no, the Enneagram puts me in a box. No, 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 The Enneagram doesn't put you in a box. And I've said this before, and there's been others that said this. I don't remember the person that said this exact quote, but it's on my website. The Enneagram does not put you in a box. It shows you the box you're in and how to get out of it, right? So whatever camp you're in, it's important to understand that the Enneagram is deeper than that. It is your base AI model. It activates and creates your defense strategy, and we all just sort of wing it, doing the best we can along the way. So that doesn't mean we did it the right way. Our pride will tell us that we did, and allow us to forcefully argue with anyone who disagrees, but not a single one of us did it perfectly, and the Enneagram sh helps show you not only where you deviated, but what it looks like to get back on track. And through all of this change and admitting ugly truths about ourselves, we can finally start to begin to see that utopia and what it could be like if we all did one, un, did understand one another better, right? And this is a radical upside-down thinking in our competitive world, specifically in America. Did you know that other countries see politicians who are socialists 
as centrists in our country, and other two and the other two parties are on the right of them. One's just less so than the others. We have extremists in this country, right? These countries have been trying to show us something that they've learned, and America, for all its good qualities, is still just a child in terms of countries in this world, a teenager at best. These other countries have thousands of years of history, and they have all seen these shows before. We have a few hundred, and we keep this teenage, know-it-all attitude, and I just am the way I am, and you have to accept me, which is closed-minded thinking and narrow perspective, but it's all due to our relative youth, like an impetulant child, right? We believe we're the best, and in fact, that's what we're taught. All of these other countries have seen empires rise and fall, and we think we're the exception to the rule. That's prideful, right? And that's what I'm trying to say on a more macro level. We are all the same when standing in front of our maker. We all make those same mistakes. One's not greater than the other. We assign value to it as people. And he's seen it all. But we often choose to still say, yeah, but it's different for me because. And I have to imagine he's just sitting there like, oh, oh, child, you think you're the first person to ever see all of this? This repeats decade after decade, millennia after millennia, but with different players and a wider audience. And that's because he knows it's us who needs fixed. And it's through his intelligent design that we can be repaired and renewed. He gave us the system. We just have to understand how to use it and understand that the more we learn, the more things will change along the way. And that's okay. That just allows us to have a deeper, richer understanding of ourselves. And once we can give ourselves grace and understanding from our own unreal, unrealistic expectations, we can release others from them as well. Like Uncle Iroh said, if you look for the light, you can often find it. But if you look for the dark, that's all you'll ever see. If we keep looking at people based on our own cracked lens, skewed perspective, and unrealistic expectations, then we will only see how they failed us, rather than how they are doing the best they can with the tools and resources that they were given. We can only be better than the generation before us, and the generation after us will be better than we are. And that's how it should be. Because we are always learning and evolving and growing and changing. It's only when we allow ourselves to get stuck in these old ways of thinking that we focus on the differences or we nitpick and we lose sight of the overall goal, which is to grow a more understanding community. But we can't bend that to our will. That's out of our control. And that's also just well above our pay grade, really. Open dialogue is a great start, and that's what we have. But the toxicness of it is what we don't need. And that will eventually fade. As a society, emotions did not get handled. They got bottled. And this was coming to a head, and all sides are now releasing centuries of animosity. And while that's understandable, we also need to be aware of this, and not contribute to the problem by focusing on the details. Because the devil's in the details, and whether you believe he's real or not, that doesn't take away the fact that the details are ultimately distractions. Right? We don't need to know who's to blame for what, 
or what punishment or retribution is necessary. That's not our pay grade. We don't have that kind of power, but we do try to take it. And that is what continues to fuel this anger. Both sides, all sides, try to take that power, control. And each time someone does something wrong, intentionally or unintentionally, it turns into a, well, you did this, and oh, well, you did that. And anyone with kids will tell you that is annoying and not at all helpful. Justifying today's anger with yesterday's crimes only builds resentment and creates a left-hand column. The fuller that column gets, the less good in someone you see until you are wary of their motives. If you understand the Enneagram, you know our core motivations are the key difference in this tool. It puts us on equal ground with each other. It removes the constructs that we created as a society and helps us look at others as human beings with thoughts and feelings and a storied past of their own. By forgiving them, though, you aren't just doing them a favor. You're doing yourself one because anger is like poison and willingly feeding your body poison all the time will eventually kill you. This is goes back to the cancel culture argument that I made in uh, the cancel culture, uh, in the Enneagram being the canary, right? If you don't believe it is a thing, then you're probably the person doing the canceling. And to think about it another way, let's bring up a, a psychology experiment and a couple of well-known names in behaviorism, B.F. Skinner and Ivan Pavlov. Now, these two brought us operant and classical conditioning respectively, but their methods were ethically questionable by today's standards. As with most scientific discovery prior to the improvement of ethical guidelines around the mid to late 20th century. Not all that long ago though, right? And these men, along with countless other scientists, experimented on animals. Some were far less humane than others, but they all did it, and they all caused us to create these ethical guidelines, right? And now are we to say that one was right where the other was wrong because of the degree to which they experimented on those animals? No, because we now know neither were 100% ethical in their treatment of animals. Pavlov willingly killed the dogs to study salivation glands, and Skinner shocked lab rats to pull a lever. We couldn't do either of those things today, but without their contributions, we may not have the understanding of the mind and how we learn like we do today. Does that mean their actions invalidate their findings? Absolutely not. Does that mean we have to completely change the way we understand learning because these guys didn't live up to our 21st century standards? That sounds pretty ridiculous, right? Judging a fish by the way it walks on land kind of ridiculous. So why is that different then from what we're doing right now? I'll let you in on a not so popular dirty secret. It's not. Our pride makes that distinction. We think we learn to do things the right way. But guess where that skill set came from? The generation who didn't do things the right way, according to us. And by assuming we're right, we're creating blind spots to where we can stand to grow. We're deviating from the roadmap and we're taking our own path. We're no more right than they were, and the generation after us will be no less wrong in how they do things than we are now. 
but they will be measured by a different set of standards because we've learned and raised the bar just like the generations before us and just like we'll do for the generations after us. What I'm trying to say, we're all learning. Our faults are no better or worse than those who came before us. They just look different because now we have a different standard to which we hold people to. So it's okay to call people out. But if you're doing it from a place to, of anger, you're only contributing to the problem, not solving it. Then what do we do, Tim? Sounds like you have it all figured out. <laughs> well, I don't. And anyone who tells you they do, like I said before, is a liar. I have tools in my toolbox that help me repent or change my way of thinking, though. Does that mean I don't get mad ever anymore? No, absolutely not. I mean, even Jesus screamed and flipped tables from time to time. He got flippant with his disciples. He once said to Philip, do you, do you not know me? Like, hey, WTF, man, what about this is new to you here? Like, what about my parables are new in that specific situation? We all get angry, but venting at each other and yelling at each other only escalates things. We don't have control over other people. Let me say that again. We don't have control over other people, no matter how much we want to. No matter how much we want to tell everyone what they should do because our moral code is absolute. No matter what causes we align with, we're always good and right. Correct? No. While the causes we align with can be good and necessary, our anger isn't righteous anger. Our anger doesn't come from a place of being so perfect that we can see the flaws in others. I know people who think that way, but that doesn't make it true. Our anger oftentimes comes from some kind of projection, projecting our view of the world onto others, projecting our own thought processes into others, and thinking the worst in them and their intentions. When that's probably not true for the most part, then we condemn and judge others who don't live by our skewed, biased moral code from our own cracked lens. Does that seem fair or right to you? Would you want a judge to rule on your divorce based on how their relationship with their ex-spouse is? I wouldn't. That's comparing two different sets of standards and experiences and improperly placing them in a different situation. Misdirected anger, misdirected guidance, poison for the mind and the body. We can yell at our intelligent designer. We can tell him how screwed up things are down here. And it's not that he doesn't already know that, but he wants you to come to him with your issues and not divide amongst one another. Because when we're mad at each other and constantly criticizing and judging, we lose sight of our humanity. The flaws that come with being a person, we automatically assume that we're just more just or more righteous or more correct than someone else which comes from living in a competitive society, and few countries are as competitive as America. And the truth is, we really aren't, right? We aren't better, we aren't more righteous, we aren't more correct. We're just different than those people we are rallying against. We don't see it that way though, because our cause is right, and theirs is wrong based on our own moral compass and worldview. We are not objective creatures. We should know this. But even if we don't, the Enneagram highlights it in such a way that makes it uncomfortable at first. It's like seeing all your dirty laundry laid out before you. Most people don't 
want to face that because it means they have to work on themselves. But we would rather, we would much rather work on other people and have them work on themselves to make our lives more comfortable. Because it's easier to point out flaws, right? It's easier to see the speck of dust in your brother's eye than it is to look in the mirror at your own plank. We want to believe that we are inherently good and others who do not agree with us are inherently bad. We have forgotten how to disagree without being disagreeable. Our sense of self-importance overshadows our humility. If we bark about your flaws, no one will look too hard at ours because they aren't the same. Yours are worse than mine. And that's just really a variation of I'm better than you. And that's pride and arrogance. That's our skewed worldview based on how we learned and those, how those lessons were reinforced. The problem is we think we have to be experts on everything. We have to have a take on everything that comes out or is said. But we were given two ears and one mouth for a reason. And that means we should probably listen twice as much as we talk. But instead, we get caught up in those details because we find them significant and we've placed importance on them from our own skewed perspective. And maybe it's not the details. Maybe we're focusing on the wrong details. Maybe the details we should be focusing on is the hatred and anger and rising escalation of tensions in the world. We should be eliminating those rather than arguing about how they should be eliminated. We have to find common ground and the Enneagram and spirituality help us do that. But our pride leads us to believe that we don't need it. Our pride leads us down the wrong path every time. If you think I'm oversimplifying things, you are probably right. I am. But that's because the world can work more simply. We overcomplicate it the same way we overrun and pollute it. We add the, well, but he's, and the, but this is wise. We add all the justifications for the complicated world and resist that it could be a lot simpler if we just took the time to acknowledge these barriers and complications and contingencies are all self-imposed. The only thing we need to do is strive to understand one another. And, as in the debate of utopia versus anarchy, we will eventually land in the positive place. But don't be fooled. It's messy, and it will take some time, and there will be periods of unrest during that change. That doesn't make it bad, but it does make it hard. Because we live in an instant gratification society, but to bring about lasting change, true lasting change, we have to not only look at the world upside down, but be willing to be gracious and patient during the unrest, knowing we can make it to the other side. Now, how do you convince billions of people to do this. I wish I knew. That answer is above my pay grade and outside of my skill set. That problem is for the intelligent designer to sort out. Our responsibility is to just be compassionate, patient, and kind while it does get sorted out. You can kill them with kindness, but that does require a willingness to wait for the results. And this will earn you backlash about a lack of passion for these issues. Or may, you may be framed as a complicit because you're encouraging someone to change the way that they are thinking. That doesn't mean you're doing the wrong thing. But popular opinion is not always right, even if it appears to be on the surface. When you dig into it, it's just a louder version of the opposition with different ideas and ways to approach situations. Compassion and understanding is always the right thing to do. 
especially when it feels hard to do, even when others around you are encouraging you to throw matches onto the already burning fire. Those are probably the times we need to show those qualities the most. And you can do this by shining a light on your shadow self rather than grabbing a spotlight and pointing it on someone else. That will naturally begin to produce compassion and empathy because you learn to accept and change your shortcomings, thus repenting or changing your way of thinking about the motivations of others. You have been listening to Shadow Self the Podcast. For more episodes, please visit our website, www.yourshadowmind.com backslash shadow hyphen self. And you guys have a wonderful week. Shine on.